Hello. Hi. Hey. Hey. How are you? I'm good. Who is this? Natalie. Oh. <laughs> Do they have any billboards where you are? No. Hmm. What's the best thing about college? Um. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's far from home. No, that's bad. That's bad. I don't. I don't know. I like people living living in a dorm. is fun. Oh. It's like a summer camp esque community. <laughs> Where are you? I am in a kitchen. Okay. Well, we're, Sorry. We're, yeah. gonna, we're gonna, are you, are you ready to do another podcast? Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to set up the microphone. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, wow. <laughs> Hello, everybody. My name is Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> no, right order, come on. Hello, my name is Mike. I'm Nick. And I'm Natalie. Welcome to Faith Based, a podcast about films and faith. This week on the podcast, we watched Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri, which is a film written and directed by Martin McDonough. Martin McDonough. <laughs> Three Billboards tells the story of uh, Mildred Hayes, um, who, whose daughter, um, a few months prior to the events of this film, had been raped and murdered. And um, as of the event, as of the time of this film taking place, um, no progress had been made in um, identifying the perpetrator of this crime. And Mildred is driving on a road outside of a fictional town called Ebbing, Missouri, and she passes three dilapidated billboards that haven't been used for quite some time, and decides to lease the billboards so that she can send a message to the chief of police of the town in hopes that it will spur on more progress towards finding the person who had committed this crime. And the rest of the film really is an unfolding of the events that happen when um, she puts these billboards up and how that affects her and the, the people in the town and the chief of police. And yeah, I have a question. Um, if you had three billboards available to you, who would you write a message to and what would it say? Um, I would put um, pictures of my mom on them because she's a great lady. That is all. <laughs> Just like a scrapbook. Is it, to, <laughs> yeah. is it, is it to you? It's too, it's too much, it's about how she's a good mom, <laughs> and I would, I would be like, uh, on the first one, it would just be like Sandy's, no, I can't put my mom in. I was gonna put my mom's, never mind, um, just like pictures of her, <laughs> and just like a heart, and then it would just say, the last one would just be like, I love you, Sandy. From Natalie in Ebbing, Missouri. She wouldn't see it, but she'd know. Well, in my 
I was thinking that these billboards would be where we are. Where oh. Is. Oh, then I wouldn't do that, no. Mine would say, the first one would say, lady. And the second one would say, bird. <laughs> and the third one would say, Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig. <laughs> you really like Lady Bird. I like ladybirds. <laughs> <laughs> Mine would be like to everyone. It wouldn't be to a specific person, but like to everyone. But it would say, the first one would say, toilet paper. And the second one would say, goes. <laughs> and then the third one would say, over the top. Mm. It's a message that everyone needs to hear. You're so relevant. You're such a, like, a relevant person. The question that came to mind, I, it would be more serious, but the question that I was thinking about was, um, like, when do you, when, like, faced with, when someone acts against you, how do you know when to retaliate or when to not? I found that there were a lot of scenarios where a character was either going to like lash out very aggressively or not. And it was always kind of like a gamble, hmm. you know? Like when uh, Dixon found out that um, Wallaby died. Is that his name? Willoughby. Willoughby. <laughs> that he died? I call him Wallaby. Sorry, Willoughby had died, he like, he leaves and you hear him say like it's time to be a good person and help people and so you don't, you're kind of, that's kind of confusing, you don't know what he's going to do and then he beats up Red and that was really sad. And then there's the time where like Mildred is at the restaurant and, and um, Peter Dinklage leaves and she takes the wine bottle and she's gripping it like she's going to like bash it over her ex-husband's head and she walks over and it's very tense and then she like sits it on the table and gives it to him. Or like when Red finds out that the burn victim next to him is actually Dixon, he like starts reacting and then he like gets the orange juice and you don't, like there's, there was a part of me that was like, he's gonna like throw it on him and it's gonna hurt because he's a burn victim. But then he just like gives it to him. So it's like, I don't know, I've, I noticed that a lot. I don't know if it was relevant, but it was very like, for me, it kept me on my toes. Because in each of those scenarios, you felt like it could have been perfectly reasonable, for, or perfectly expected from what we knew of those characters for them to do the opposite. Yeah. That is one thing that I wanted to talk about too. It's just the whole idea of like justice in the movie. Mm -hmm. Because I think that there, so justice, the way that we typically think about it, I think, is um, like a scale, like a balance. Yeah. And on one side is like an offense or something that happens. And then on the other side is the consequence that results from that thing happening. And so if everything's in perfect balance, then I mean, it kind of be like an eye for an eye sort of thing where like one thing that's bad happens and then it gets like repaid with like an equal like punishment. Yeah. And so like the movie starts off imbalanced because this like rape and murder has happened before the events, but nothing has 
no one's been punished, no like justice has been served. So that's like what incites all of the act, like her getting these billboards and everything and the unrest of like not having solved that. So like there are things that happen in the movie that are bad and then and that we don't like, like yeah. you know, somebody getting thrown out of a window or whatever. And then sometimes those things are like they get a response like Dixon loses his job, which maybe is not an equal response to like throwing someone out of a window, but a response, some sort of like justice. But I think that in the movie also there are two kinds of like responses to justice. There's uh, or two kinds of things that happen that we would consider like miscarriages of justice, and like one of them is good and one of them is bad. So there's the miscarriage of justice where like there's no answer, there's no like response and the person who did like a bad thing gets away with it or doesn't get like the full punishment that they deserve. But then mm -hmm. there's the other like thing where a bad thing happens and the response is not what that person deserved, but it's like a merciful response. So uh, like in the interrogation room when um, Willoughby is kind of being tough with Mildred and then, mm -hmm. and then he like coughs up blood and instead of like her responding like as angrily to him as she, like he was interrogating her, she like softens and like shows him like tenderness in that because she recognized that he's dying. And and the yeah. example that you brought up about where Dixon is like has been burned and is in the hospital and will be like comes over and is really nice to him. But then when he finds out who he is and that he was the guy that like put him in the hospital for after throwing him out of the window, he like is mad at first, but then he still shows him like kindness. Um, and there's a couple other examples where like you think somebody is going to like respond in equal measure to what somebody else like in retaliation, but then they don't. And I think that, yeah, that, that's like a big part of the movie. I think it's like there are two times where like perfect justice isn't carried out and like we like some of those and we don't like others of them yes and i don't know like what you're right it does seem a little bit random but i wonder if it it has something to do with like the way that the characters are like interpreting each other mm. like no oh, yeah you know mildred softens because she sees that like he's coughing up blood like he's dying so she has like sympathy for him so she's like yielding her like the justice that she deserves or whatever the like way of behaving in that moment that she could have, she like gives that up in order to exhibit kindness instead. And there, I mean, I feel like every character has a moment in the movie where they get a chance to do that. Yeah. Something I found really striking right from the, the opening of the film was that we establish early on and it's reinforced quickly that Mildred is a is a person who is redeeming things so the first thing that she sees the first thing that that happens in this film is she's driving down a road and sees these three billboards that are have no function they're broken they're not being used the way that they're intended to be used they're they're falling apart and like she sees them and like backs up and looks at them for what they are and gets an idea to like to make them what they're meant to be which is a, a thing a powerful like way 
to communicate something to an audience. They're, they're not doing what they're meant to do. Um, and then she shows up at, at Wilby's advertising place where she's inquiring about leasing these. And there's another quick little moment where she's kind of over by a windowsill and there's a, like a June bug or a bug that's laying on its back by the window. And she just, just very carefully picks it up and sets it on its feet. And I thought those two things early on helped frame for me a way of looking at her character throughout the rest of the film as this is a person who keeps noticing or is fixating on the way on things that aren't the way they're meant to be. Um, and of course, that's eventually gives way to the to the actual plot of the story where the thing that's not as it should be is that her daughter was raped while dying and there's been and whoever did that they haven't found and that's not right so i think she's a person that just is attentive to that and is doing those sorts of things i mean later about halfway through the movie or, or around then she starts like potting these like lovely like potted flowers that she sets at the foot of all three of the billboards like it's she's tending to things and making them beautiful and redeeming like these things that are broken and ugly <laughs> and yet she is not um a very nice person usually no <laughs> and i think we have to hold those two things together that this is a a woman who is pursuing i think um redemption and justice in ways that are good and beautiful but is also um, an in, in and of herself a broken person who is not to be revered or admired in all of the aspects of her character. Well, I think she recognizes that like in order to find this person, it's not gonna be pretty. Like it's a, gonna be tough and she's not afraid to be tough. By a nice person, do you mean someone who is like easy to, to get on with? Like, I'm a little bit confused. I th she's just got a really short temper and it like snaps and yells at people and is cruel. I mean, she she drills a hole in the dentist's thumb. Like, yeah. to be fair, he wasn't being very nice to her either. But yeah. her reaction is, I would say, a little bit over the top. You're bit. right. And those are instances of when, you know, someone has like first kind of, in some ways offended her, but then she's, not super nice to um she continue. i mean in the flashback we see with her daughter she's not very nice to her daughter yeah no yeah she yeah. kicks that girl at the school <laughs> yeah and the guy but the girl is <laughs> <laughs> um how does sam rockwell still have a job I mean, I know he loses it like halfway through, but that's not even like the worst thing he did. It's the worst thing we see him do, I guess, but do you, he has are you quite a reputation. The oh, I just, we... I mean, not Sam Rockwell, I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, his Dixon? character. Dixon, yeah. yeah. I know why Sam Rockwell yeah, has a job. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Dixon, his character. Uh, yeah. So, the, like, Will, Willoughby, the chief, keeps, keeps saying at least twice, I think, in... While he, well, okay, so he kills himself halfway through the movie, so spoiler. But at least twice while he's still alive, he, he says, 
like in his own words that like Dixon is a good man at heart. So like, and then also after he dies, he sent he writes he writes a letter, and so you hear his voice later in the movie also saying the same thing, like saying you're deep down you're a decent man. And um, I just want to know what that's all about. <laughs> like deep down, he's a good person. Yeah, I just wonder. Like, I mean, they must have had some sort of relationship that we just don't know about because we're like just seeing them at this moment, but. Well, I think we see glimpses of him being a more decent person later, like after yeah. he has actually lost his job. I mean, when he rescues the case file out of the fire. And when he comes to terms with, like, what's actually his, real in his, his life. His deeply sincere apology to Will, Will be, I think, is... Yeah, in the hospital. ...is yeah. mm-hmm. evidence of good character. I mean, the yeah. what he subjects himself to in order to try to, like, get evidence, to try to, like, find the person who's done this... I think he has those moments, even in what is po- possibly the most um, controversial of scenes, I think, in this film, where there's uh, lots of use of like racial slurs. Um, but his character oh, is sort of like... persons of color torturing? Yeah, the, his character yeah. is sort of wrestling with like trying to modify his language to be more politically correct, which it's played for comedy, but I think you even sense in that moment that he actually is like, no, I learned this. They told me I say this, not that. And yeah, you just say a person sense of, of color, not that racial slur. He's just slur. dumb. He's not. Yeah, like he's not an intelligent character, but but he's like, but he's I think he's. fumbling his way through It seems to be attempting. sincere in that moment, that he's yeah. really saying like, you're not supposed to say that because I learned <laughs> that you don't say that anymore. And I think that that's there's a there's a sincerity to his character, mm-hmm. and we do know he's not. I mean, there's other pieces of evidence we get that he's not particularly intelligent. I mean, the joke about him like getting held back at the police academy for a year <laughs> that his mom says. There, there's little hints that we get along the way that he may not be the sharpest tool in the shed. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But he seems earnest, or at least, um, yeah. But also not not a good person. Yeah, like he's capable of doing good. I just think it's interesting that like he still there's so much evidence against him being like. I mean, I'm not like I. I mean, I believe that people are. You know, I mean, we all have the image of God. I understand like why Willoughby. I can sympathize with Willoughby's like comment that he, you know, deep down he is a good person and that he can do good. I just like we get very little, I think, evidence of him actually doing good and so much of evidence of him like not doing good. I just think that's interesting. Um, well, and I think one of the one of the primary things that's happening in this film is that every character we meet is, or almost all, at least any character we meet with any substance is, has a, has a lot of complication in how we view their character. Like no, but there are no good characters and there are no bad characters. They yeah. are all like deeply flawed, but also have moments where we see reflections of goodness even 
Even Willoughby, who I would say might be the closest thing we see to a character who we don't have a lot to be upset with. I mean, mm-hmm. the reality is he is the police chief of this town, and he can make all the excuses he wants for not having solved this murder. And he owns the fact that, like, he should have done better. But they still haven't caught anybody. I was going to ask if you think that um, the scene where the priest comes to the house, if that, if you think um, Mildred's conversation, conversation, it's a fun word, but um, that scene with the priest is... It seems like she's trying to argue that by association, she has, he has no right to speak into her life about the things that she's doing. Like she's trying to create a connection between gang association with like him being a member of the church and therefore he is no, he's, he's to be, he is like shares in this like guilt, like this communal guilt because of the association or like the, the, um, the church, I guess, that he's a part of. And therefore, he, like, if he also shares the blame, then he is a guilty person of doing bad things and therefore shouldn't speak to her decisions. Yeah, like if you, if you ally yourself with a group and a member of that group commits, like has done something wrong, you are complicit. Yeah. If you continue to like identify yourself as a part of that community. Your responsibility then becomes fighting that no matter what. And not, even if it's it's not related to you at all, like look at the Catholic Church thing, maybe it's some a parish, you know, states away, but if you're part of the Catholic Church, you're culpable. Yeah. But I think it's also, it's not just kind of a way of saying, like, how, I mean, in that moment, I think she's using it to be like, how can you come and tell me to stop, like, name-calling or whatever, when you refuse to do anything about, like, the injustices that are in your gang quote-unquote of the church but I think also in the film it's being used to talk about how um, like we're all I mean if we belong to a society then in a sense we're all culpable for injustices that happen like we're all responsible for fighting injustice where we see it where we recognize it like when we know about it I don't know. I think this movie was particularly difficult for me to like understand the point that it was making. It seemed to be in watching it, and I just finished watching it, so I didn't really get a lot of time to figure out what I had just watched. But I don't know. I think it seems very all over the place and like sporadic in its argument of what is just and how do we respond to injustice and those kinds of things. So, I don't know, I'm just having a kind of a hard time tracking with that. 
in the all in his whole body of work, Martin McDonough seems mm-hmm. like one of the things that he's preoccupied with or that he wants us wants his audiences to see and that I think this film is doing well is that we are this like I think he wants to try to tell us the truth about the way people actually are and behave and that I think his vision for goodness or or redemption his his vision for goodness is one that is like honest and realistic in the world that we live in i don't think that he he he's presenting us with these characters who are i, I just think it when whenever martin whenever in a, in any martin mcdonough story and in this story in particular anytime anybody does anything good it's always still like tinged by or colored by the world that they live in and 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 mm-hmm. there's still sort of a a darkness or or a lack of wholeness to it. So the pursuit of justice or the pursuit of goodness in this film is fine, but we never get the luxury of seeing the agents of these things as like just heroes, right? What 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 Mildred is doing is is good, but she is a bully and she is not treating people like like human beings generally and and we can yeah. understand her backstory but but the, her behavior is not one we would like teach little children like this is the way to be <laughs> well and by the end she sets out to be a murderer herself so <laughs> yeah. I, yeah yeah i mean the movie's showing i mean i think maybe not people we would recognize but i think still real people showing that people are capable of both good and evil and showing you that in the span of, you know, two hours or whatever, you know. I think the thing, though, that about this film in particular, at least, and, and like I was saying in Martin McDonough's body of work across the board, is I think he, whether, I, whether you want to believe this to be true about the world or not, I think he is trying to say that this is actually just the way things are. That, that when we... When we want to talk about like people who are good or things that are good, we're kidding ourselves if we're not if if it's not colored if there's not a, a flip side to it that all of these good and beautiful things there's also brokenness in them and I think in some ways he's playing on like our like on this the the image of God in people and also like the like being children of Adam as well like we bear yeah we have a sin nature and we have we bear god's image and i think that i think the way that martin mcdonough presents us characters is showing us that i mean and 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 not in sort of what i think other films do where they try to give us a a hero who has flaws or a hero who's not perfect The, the people in this movie are like truly bad people in some ways but also doing really virtuous things. But also, yeah, capable of doing good. Yeah. And capable of doing evil. And the the I guess what I'm saying is the scale is not is balanced. The like if you're, if there's going to be a scale that's balanced in this film, it's that in each of these characters, their like goodness and their brokenness is balanced. Yeah, the story isn't really about like solving the case because we don't find the answer to the who raped and murdered her daughter. Mm-hmm. 
in the whole run of the film. Like by the end, we, we think we do, we almost do, but then it turns out that that person that was almost a match was not the person. So the story must be about something else because the whole run of it, we are no closer to solving the, the case. Whereas like another film, I think that starts with this premise would end with a, you know, solving the case or whatever. So maybe this is jumping to where we talk about like what the film is trying to say, but um, yeah, if it's not about solving a case, finding justice, getting justice for Angela Hayes, then like it must be trying to tell us something else. Maybe it's telling us there are other things beyond ultimate justice, like little justices that we need to be paying attention to and like celebrating and like attentive, yeah, paying attention to. Mm -hmm. Like Dixon, he, it seems like, you know, he, he shows up and he sees Red and he apologizes and Red kind of holds back any sort of urge to retaliate. But, but, but it's not like Dixon has it easy after that, or even before that. He, I mean, he lost his job. It was clear that he did not know what to do with himself. And then, and then he he gets caught in this fire, and you know, and that in itself is, in some way, the sense of like justice. Is he, you know, he was in the same room in the hospital as, as the kid he beat up. So, and then even after that, when he's trying to do good, he in order to, try to help the case. He's he, I mean, he gets beat up again, and. He still doesn't quite get it right, but he did a good job. I don't, I think like, Mike, I think you're, you're right. Like the, this premise with a different story or in, the, in different hands, we would expect to be more about like a procedural, like about solving the case. But it's, it's so, it's interesting because it never, not until late in the film does it ever even feel like that's what, we're expecting to happen at least when I watched this I don't I don't I didn't I didn't think like oh we'll f we'll find out who did it at any point it, it all it always seemed very clearly like focused in on the people and the way they were behaving in a situation rather than on the situation itself one thing that I'm thinking about now is Mildred's actions all these these other the other primary characters in this story all end up like bearing extreme scar as a result of what she of, of her actions. So obviously there's Willoughby who who dies. Well, that's not because of her. But yeah, that's not. I I mean, fine. If you want to believe that, that's fine. I mean, he Did makes you not it pretty clear that, as... that he didn't kill himself because of her. Like, it's... Okay. Okay, that's fine. I just think, like, a character who, who kills themselves halfway through a movie, like, I don't want to not see that as a result of what's happening in the movie. Well, it's a result of what's happening in the movie, but a result of what's happening to him. Like, he's dying of cancer. And he says in his letter to his wife that he didn't want 
to see her to see him like wasting away and have her last memories of him be her caring for him and him like dying and gradually deteriorating like he wanted her last memories to be the good day that they had but you're you're getting at this idea that like she brings the whether she's in like good standing relationship with these people she brings this community into bear this burden with her of trying to find whoever is guilty of you know raping and murdering her daughter yeah well and i don't i think like uh, i think willoughby can write whatever he wants in his letter but i as a viewer see a character who kills himself another character who is scarred for life another character who's thrown out of a window and like badly like bruised and broken limbs and all of these things, I whether you don't have to agree with me, but I read all of those as these are all the things that are happening to the people as a result or in response to the actions that that Mildred is taking because someone else has taken action that has left her bruised and beaten, and it's this. And there's a cycle here. Like these people are. There's just all these weird. The, the, she. She's seeking justice. She's pursuing justice for the brokenness and the injustice that she has suffered. And in doing that, it's an event, it's having ramifications on other people. Yeah, and I don't know that I'm trying to say they're a direct response, but I just yeah. think that... But there is definitely a correlation between her actions and what happens to these other people. Yeah, perhaps Willoughby would have eventually arrived at the decision to kill himself because he was dying of cancer. But I also think, like... We're meeting him now, and and he's going through a stressful time at a time, and there, there's now like this new added, like pressure and stress when he's already like weak and vulnerable and ill. I think that just going back to that thing that she tells the priest about culpability, um, like she a little bit, she brings all these other people in, and while she may or may not have had. Uh, I think that she, whether or not her putting the billboards up is what caused Willoughby to kill himself, I think that w there is some, probably some sort of connection there between, uh, yeah, like what you were saying, Nick, about like adding added stress to an already like tense living situation that he was going through. So I think that like you're kind of making a similar argument saying that she's, she's culpable for that, not that she like made that you know yeah she not that she forced him to kill himself by putting up the billboard drove him to do it but thank like, you for articulating that that is yeah. exactly what i'm trying to say i do not think he killed himself because yeah and like his even admission that she like is he's trying to absolve her of that culpability but i think she even in the film like still feels some sort of guilt for like at least if nothing else making the last you know few weeks of his life bad for his public image and even the people on the TV were like kind of making that association like, well, was it because of these billboards? And so <laughs> I just think that I wanted to talk about that culpability a little bit more too, because I think that's kind of like a similar thing to what's happening in, in culture in some ways with like the difference between like action and association and allegation. And mm -hmm. like there is a difference when it comes down to it between actions 
and alleged actions and um, between actions and inaction. Um, you know, people who knew about like somebody's you know history of abuse and didn't say anything or even defended them. There's just a tension, I think, between inaction is not the same as act, like as committing a crime. Like knowing, like the Catholic Church thing. Like that priest is not guilty of the same things that other priests are guilty of. That she like you know, but she accuses him of being culpable. And I just I maybe that, I don't really know what kind of question to ask about that, but. I just kind of want to talk about that. Like, what is the responsibility of someone who is aware of something to come forth and do something about it, you know? Um, like, in the bar, when Sam Rockwell, like, overhears the, you know, the guy in the booth behind him talking about something that he did, which we don't know whether or not he did it or not, but it sounds like rape. And the guy he's talking to is hearing the story, like that guy then becomes like culpable for not reporting, you know, what I, I just, maybe I don't really know what kind of question to ask. I guess I'm just want to talk about that some, well, uh, a little bit. Like, yeah, and maybe it's that like, you're, yeah, these, the, that's not the same thing. Um, committing a crime, like actually acting in a way that is wrong isn't the same thing as knowing about it and not saying anything or associating yourself with a, with a group of people where you know yeah. where some of those people are doing things that are, that are wrong. It's not the same thing, but those other things are also wrong. And I guess, yeah, yeah, I think that's what, and I think maybe then in that way, culpability isn't the same thing as to be culpable for a thing doesn't mean you've done it. It just means you've, you're responsible for bringing justice to the situation. Yeah. Because of the special knowledge or special like association that you have, like as a gang member or as you know, someone who's aware of details of a thing. You're not innocent. Yeah. You're innocent to that, but it's not just, and maybe in that way, like culpability, like the goodness of people is not black and white. We do not have good people and bad people. We have complicated people who do good and bad things. And culpability, yeah, there's the crime that's committed or the action that is taken. And there's, there's a person who's responsible for that. But uh, the other people who have a relationship to that thing, there are, there are other people who are also culpable, not in the same way. And it's, it bears out in different ways. But we can't pretend that that's not true. I think it's just, it goes to show that like, like I was saying at one point about this being maybe not a community of people who are tight knit and like a loving community, but it is a community of interrelated people and their actions have reactions and the things that they do influence what else happens in, I mean, it's a small town um, and I think that's kind of just an example of like how real life is like the things that we choose to do have ramifications for the other people that are in our lives and the other situations that are around us. Um, like the things we do may make us culpable for things that happen and the things other people do may lead to us 
taking certain, like making certain decisions that we wouldn't have made, you know, independent of other people's specific actions. I think that's an, maybe another thing this film is trying to to show is that while this like rape and murder happened, you know, in an isolated part of you know outside of town, um, there are things that could have happened to prevent, you know, this situationally that could have happened to have, you know, prevented this from happening. I think I wrote in my notes here, um, part of a, f a common Christian confession is like, forgive the things that I've done and the things I've left undone. And I just kept thinking about that. It's like, we're culpable for the things that we do, but also for the things that we don't do or the things we avoid or the things that we act like actively choose to do, you know, the wrong, the wrong way. And that's always struck me as like the things we've left undone. It's like, what am I doing? Like, what am I leaving undone? Like right now in my life? Yes. Like, what am I like culpable for? I certainly don't think that I'm like actively choosing to do something evil, but like what decisions am I making that are setting up something else to happen that is, like is not the way that it should be? Well, you've heard some of the things that we think about three billboards outside Emming, Missouri, but let's um, take a moment to consult what some other Christians think about this film. positive elements, the film delivers a laudable statement in the midst of Mildred's eventually escalating violent actions, stating, all this anger, it just begets greater anger. Unfortunately, this heated film never puts its own advice into action. Spiritual content. When a local priest comes to visit her, Mildred angrily and crudely rails at him, comparing the Catholic Church to a gang. Violent content. Mildred drives a dentist drill through a man's thumbnail as the camera closely watches. She kicks a school-aged boy and his female friend in the crotch when suspecting them of an offense. Mildred also firebombs a local police station, catching an officer inside. Conclusion British writer-director Martin McDonough paints a discordant picture here of an awful provincialized middle America that's steaming with racial tensions and moral indifference. He depicts rural Ebbings as a hard-drinking place littered with backward, angry, and generally irredeemable people. Now, that may not be the America you know, but it's definitely one that Hollywood gives us here and it's a perfect setting for the self-righteous, rage and guilt-driven female protagonist at the core of this pick. Mildred's flyover town is also a suitable place to set up tug, a tug and pull tale of feverishly longed after recompense, a dramatic demand for a rightful pound of flesh, no matter whose it is. Surely some may say that Three Billboards balances out its ugly side with ample helpings of scripted wit but it's a scabrous humor to be sure. Mildred irreverently growls at all the Catholic priests 
as being culpable for child rape and labels all cops as morally anemic and fundamentally racist. Even Chief Willoughby, the only borderline decent person in town, supports that anti-cop idea. If you got rid of every cop with mildly racist leanings, you'd only have three cops left, Willoughby opines, and they'd all hate gay people. Compound that cruel jokiness with a tidal wave of epithets and profanities and some borderline shocking violence, and you've got a film that may motivate some coastal elites to praise its dark artiness. But it will leave many others, including millions who know their small towns, are not as morally bankrupt as the one depicted here, wishing they'd been more frugal with their entertainment dollars. Um, that review was written by, oh, Bob Hoos. Oh, heard of him. Bob. Familiar name. Hello, Yes, Bob. I think it's also important to note that he, for the caution content, the content caution thing, where he gives red lights or yellow lights or green lights to um, kids, teens, and adults, every single one of them is a red light, which means heavy caution. I, I think it's preposterous for a Christian film reviewer to claim that characters are irredeemable. Just seems to not make sense to me. Why? Hmm. I think that we are to believe, if we are to believe the gospel, then there are no irredeemable characters. There are no irredeemable things. Hmm. Well, and it's, you know, the, there's a worldview in this, um, in this review that is, I mean, he says, now that may not be the America you know, but it's definitely one that, the, that Hollywood gives us here. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then he goes on this, this little rant about, like, Mildred irreverently growls at all Catholic priests as being culpable for child rape and labels all cops as morally anemic and fundamentally racist. Right. Yep. That's exactly what she's saying. That's exactly what people say. And that is, I think, exactly what this movie is trying in some ways to tell us is that, yeah, there is a a way in which you bear culpability and responsibility when you are associated with or related to a group of people who do, who, where a member of that group has done something wrong. If Bob Hoos is a Christian and he believes that all human beings are sinful and have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, I don't understand why he is so appalled at the idea that, that we, we may need to like bear blanket guilt Mm-hmm. And that everybody is actually like guilty. That sin is a state, not just a thing that we commit. Yeah, and there's this mm-hmm. weird like desire to protect small town Americans, just like the good old fashioned people who are trying to live their best life. When like they don't need to be protected any more than anybody else does, and why not just like embrace the humility and the posture that says, "I'm yeah like." Yeah, the posture that says, forgive the, the sins that I remember and the sins I have forgotten. Forgive the sins that I have done and the things I have left undone. And the things that you're not aware of that you've done. And that's the power of the gospel is that like Jesus covers all of that. So there's liberty in that. And that's where like I do not understand the... I don't understand any Christian who gets defensive in that way when they supposedly believe that they also have like freedom from that and that all of that sin is covered. Like why get weirdly defensive about it? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, film a film like this, if you take nothing else away from it, I think it, it can work to remind you that this is, like, you are capable of doing these things. Like, you know, you are capable of uh, falling into this kind of sense of, you know, vigilante justice that they fall into at the end of the movie. You know, you are capable of doing great things to serve others and doing horrible things, you know, to destroy others. And it's only because of the gospel and Christ's work that all of the things in between are, you know, forgiven and counted as not part of who we are. And I think, like, this film can remind us that even a character like Mildred can be saved by the gospel. Even a character like um, Jason Dixon can be saved by the gospel. And it's, I think, like, yeah, not to mention all of the other things that we learn throughout this film. If we just look at who they are and how they behave, we can say, oh, wow, what a great, like, I mean, this is very simple, but what a great God we serve that, like, we could be we could be that person, like God can save those people as well. And I think like this, there's no room for that even, not even that in this review that Bob writes, I think. I think there are sometimes where if you're looking at something from a gospel perspective, you could, I mean, from a, or from more from a Christian perspective, you can say like these people are bad people and the film leaves no room for them to be redeemed, but that's not the case here. Mm. Even from just a worldly perspective, Dixon is maybe like one of the hardest characters to like, and then he comes back as being someone who just wants to help, and and at, at a sacrifice, like he's you know he puts himself in physical harm's way to try to help when he sees an opportunity. So. I, I don't think there's really much merit to that statement either. From both the Christian perspective of like, we are all redeemable. There, it's a, there's a also, defensiveness to this review. Yeah, and, definitely. And I don't, there, there's not a personal, there's not an attack on small town America going In on. The film. That's not what's yes. happening. I have a question. What do you guys think? We've talk, we talked about a lot of things, and I, it, I know for me, I, my thoughts on this film have evolved quite a bit as a result of this conversation. What would you say is the argument, or at least one of the arguments, that you're coming away from watching this film, um, recognizing that Martin McDonough is wanting us to, to believe? I think he's at the very least asking us to observe the complexity of like what it means to be a good or a bad person and how our actions affect other people. If he wants me to believe anything, it's that I am these characters that I have that I am a I have the capability of doing good and noble things of of planting beautiful flowers underneath billboards of helping a bug get back on its feet. I can do these good things like Mildred, but I also have the ability to um, say horrible things to loved ones and find that it's the last thing that I ever said to them or, 
you know, any of any number of these other horrible things that these people have done for me to believe that I'm above those things is is false. Maybe one thing that this film is trying to say is that we're not necessarily we are not inherently good people or bad people. We are pe and we are not defined by what we say we are or what others think that we are. But we are defined by the choices we make and we have to choose to do good and we have to choose to not let good things go undone. Yeah, we have to make those choices. We have to like work to do the right thing. We either become culpable in the pursuit of something evil or we become culpable in the pursuit of something good. Like everything that we do is related to something else. The Bechtel test is a test created by Alison Bechtel. The way that a film will pass the Bechtel test is, one, it has to have at least two named female characters. The second is that these two named female characters have to speak to one another through dialogue. And the third um, requirement is that the topic of the dialogue has to be something other than a man. So... So did this film pass the Bechdel test? I think it does. No. It doesn't? Oh, I think it does. What about the friend Denise? Yeah, she has a conversation with Denise at the store. She also talks I, to, her, to her daughter about walking home. I think it's a close call. About taking the car. It's odd because there is such this, this like ridiculously strong named. and powerful like main female protagonist kinda. And then like everyone else that's relevant is kind of a man or a dead female. So that's a little interesting. But I think it kind of passes. I forgot that. You right. Signing off, this is Natalie, and remember... No, you're Nick! <laughs> Shoot! <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> okay. Signing off, this is Nick, and remember... Bunny slippers... Why are their voices so high? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>